Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. We're looking forward to today's show. My name is Tim Grady. Lou Weiss is off on assignment, so he is not with us today. But uh, he is with us in voice because since All Metals and Forge Group is the sponsor of the show, uh, Lou's put together a quick spot for you to hear about All Metals and Forge Group. Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as Lou Weiss with the yellow jacket. But today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open-die forge facility and a producer of seamless rolled rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973-276-5000. Send us your inquiries, your drawings, and specifications. Our quoting turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours hours to help you get your job from your client. Give us a try. We're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients. We'd like to partner with you as well. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Lou, for plugging our sponsor. We always enjoy having All Metals and Forge Group as our sponsor. And that allows us to talk to nice people, very intelligent people who put together great reports from, for instance, the Institute of Supply Management. Today we're talking with Anthony Nieves, who is the ISM committee chair of the non-manufacturing report on business. And depending on how you measure that portion of the economy, it's somewhere between 70 to 88% of the overall economy. It's the other half of the equation that goes with the manufacturing report on business. And joining us now is Anthony Nieves. Anthony, thanks for being back on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Well, it's got a terrific report. You and Tim are just putting together great reports of late. Uh, this looks really strong. Why don't you give us an overview of it? Sure. I wish I could take personal credit for the strength of this report. <laughs> but uh, as we see, uh, it's attributed to what we're seeing as a very strong economy. And uh, this sector in particular has maintained its strength uh, with the composite index growing for 107 consecutive months. Uh, I'm sorry, 101 consecutive months. What we're looking at for uh, 106 consecutive months, we've seen uh, the overall economy expand. And this is uh, the 101st consecutive month for the non-manufacturing sector. The composite index coming in at 59.1, up a half a percentage point, just when we think that uh, you know we might move a little sideways. Is it sustainable? We just continue to see this growth in this sector. Uh, business activity at 63.9, up 2.6 percentage points. And one of the leading indicators, uh, new orders at 63.2, going up 2.7 percentage points. So when we look at the four indexes, the sub-indexes that comprise this uh, composite index and you throw in employment and supplier deliveries, those seem to be pulling down um, a little bit on the composite index or else it would even reflect a, a stronger reading. 
Very strong reading. Uh, glad to see it in the high 50s. Um, Anthony, I have to ask kind of an offhanded question, but it eventually is going to show its uh, ugly head in manufacturing. And I'd like to get your view on non-manufacturing, and that is the Trump tariffs certainly have to uh, begin to affect um, imports coming in from overseas that go, for instance, into retail or into uh, construction. Uh, what is your sense of how the Trump tariffs may uh, impact this report as we proceed month by month? Well, that seems to be the key question on, on everyone's mind this particular month uh, and the preceding few months, I would say, but more so now as it seems to be taking shape before it was just in a couple of commodity areas, and now it's proposed to be a more wide, uh, a larger uh, span here. And what we're seeing is that right now um, the reaction by supply management professionals is to really go out and forward buy, see how they can lock in uh, some things before uh, the cost impact. Um, we've seen that with just the buildup of inventories, and then we've seen that depletion of inventories for this month on the non-manufacturing side. And I've mentioned this before on, on this show that upstream in the supply chain, manufacturers are providers to non-manufacturing companies. And you see in the manufacturing side it's more uh, tangible goods versus the services you see in the non-manufacturing sector. However, there are certain, as you mentioned, in retail, wholesale trade, other types of uh, construction, other industries within this sector that are affected or potentially affected by uh, this potential trade war that we're seeing. And uh, uh, the key thing is how much of those costs immediately or long-term or longer-term get passed on to the end user uh, on the non-manufacturing side. And with that said, we have such a strong economy right now, and a question was posed to me earlier today as to would we see demand wane if, in fact, these tariffs um, affect the bottom line cost of these particular goods. And I say that we'd have to wait and see uh, and not to deflect that question or that, that uh, uh, strategy. It's just more about a good economy that we're having today with the revenue generation and everything else can really mask um, the impact on the uh, increase of cost. We would be having a totally different conversation, say, if the economy was weak right now. I don't think it would be even a prudent idea to approach um, a trade deficit and imposing tariffs and whatnot, but you know, I'm not the man in charge, or uh, nor do I have a job in government, but I would say that if this was to happen, uh, this is as good a point in time as any because of the strong growth that we're seeing month-to-month uh, -month, uh, economically. Well, you make a good point. You're right that uh, if someone started a trade war in a down economy, that could get really ugly and drive it that much deeper. What, you know, as good as this is, Anthony, are there any headwinds out there putting the tariff issue aside that could derail what's happening in non-manufacturing? You know, that's that's a great question, too. And, and I think that the fear has been, will the economy overheat? How much of an effect will we see uh, derive from uh, inflationary pressures? And um, at this juncture, it doesn't seem to be the case. 
Um, there is a projection that we're going to continue to see strong GDP growth in the second half. Um, headwinds, as far as I think we see capacity constraint uh, is a key thing, as well as and, and inclusive of that is is human resources, uh, specifically for this particular sector. Going back to the indexes, we looked at the employment index. It went down about a half a percentage point to 53.6. The fact remains that we're still seeing growth month to month in employment, and the resources that we're pulling from the labor pool is diminished. Uh, in speaking with different uh, uh, recruiters and others in the uh, human resources arena, um, they're attracting talent through uh, competitive um, uh, means of offering higher wages. So we might see some wage pressure come into the picture. We're seeing it on the skilled labor side, on the construction in the construction arena, but we're we're seeing that most companies are trying to take from someone else's pocket to their pocket in regards to employment. And um, so with the unemployment rate at 3.8% or so, it's interesting in the arena that I'm in, healthcare in the California area, Southern California area, in healthcare, the unemployment rate is less than two. It's about 1.9%. So with that diminished wow. pool to draw from, it makes it very tough for that index to really uh, show some pop. And we also see in supplier deliveries, and this goes back to what I brought up on constraint, even though the deliveries are slowing slower, and I know it's tough for people to get their head around that slowing slower or slowing faster. seems paradoxical, but uh, the key thing is that as we see deliveries um, still continue to slow, 55.5, anything over 50 is slower deliveries, just not as that rate. We have issues with overland trucking still. We've talked about that before on the show. Slow rail service, we've spoken about that. In trucking, it's interesting how um, in speaking with certain people in the trucking industry about how the increase of uh, way stations and inspections to cut down on uh, road accidents and fatalities has um, also uh, in increased the shortage of drivers based on the fact that um, any infractions on the driver's license, any convictions, anything like that, people are getting purged out uh, of the pool, as well as mm. the uh, um, we have the electronic readers for inspection now that's also posed a challenge. Uh, the fuel surcharges that are imposed still don't cover the increase in fuel that we've seen recently at the pumps. Increased broker commission has made the margins tighter, and it's really taken out of that labor pool of truck drivers some of those variables. So and back to the delivery slowing, and then you see inventories. Inventories grew month uh, month to month, 53.5, but again, a slower rate. We're seeing that the inventory drawdown, we had that buildup. It's drawn down off of that. That's what's helped the deliveries uh, not to slow as fast. So these are all interrelated when you look at the supply chain picture for the non-manufacturing sector. Clearly. Anthony, I was going to ask you, and because you touched on transportation a bit, and we have talked about it on the show, it's an, it's an ongoing issue. How serious is it getting? Well, uh, at this point, we're seeing lead times extend a bit, the cycle time extend a bit. Um, it's, it's not really, uh, as you would say, the continuity of supply is being maintained. It's just at a slower rate uh, to what mm -hmm. point. 
as the economy keeps growing, will we see it become dire and then we see things uh, where it's probably going to result in more inventory buildup in order to offset uh, the longer lead times, cycle times for processing uh, orders from A to B and you know to the delivered aspect of that. And so at this juncture, we mentioned last month about how uh, there was about 50,000 shortage of uh, truck drivers on the road as well as trucks themselves and flat racks and other things. So right now we're seeing that constraint. Um, it's not to the point where it's been an interruption of service, just the slowing at this point in time. Okay. So let's talk about some of the drivers in the business activity. For instance, new orders. What seems to be the sector that's really booming in new orders? Well, and when you look at the new orders and you look at the different um, industries that comprise this sector, the 18 industries, and for new orders in particular, and I will turn to the uh, listing that we have, starting out with educational services. Retail trade is driving that as well. They're number two. Wholesale trade. Wholesale I always like to touch on because in the non-manufacturing sector, the wholesalers provide that time and place value uh, to disperse into the uh, various locations versus uh, what you see in single plant and manufacturing side, then followed up by mm -hmm. mining, construction, and then public administration, and so on. There's uh, literally 17 of the 18 industries reflected growth month to month, and there was one unchanged. So not one industry that comprises this sector showed a, a decrease in new orders uh, month to month. That is incredibly strong. Uh, I see that employment didn't roll up as high as it did the previous month, but it's off a half a point. It's almost unmeasurable. Uh, seems to be going strong. Do you sense that we're getting to a point, as you said, in your particular industry, you're looking at 1.9% unemployment. I mean, that is incredibly tight. How tight are some of these other industry sectors? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I wish I had that breakdown to truly understand it. Um, but I can tell you that um, in looking at the employment picture and where uh, the growth is, we had three industries that actually showed a contraction and that was educational services, information, and accommodation and food services all showed a decrease in employment month to month. But 12 of the other industries showed an increase, and three were unchanged month to month. Um, and looking at it, again, it goes back to that labor pool. For me, I know that mm -hmm. I have a heck of a time trying to uh, recruit uh, field clinicians uh, for, for my particular company and for the industry as a whole, that 1.9% that you mentioned and I mentioned previously is, is for the Southern California area. And uh, it's just tough. It's tough when you don't have that strong labor pool in which to pull from. And it, it is definitely affecting, uh, for me, the labor cost. Uh, sometimes I have to pay a little bit more in order to um, ensure that I have that continuity of service uh, on, on the output side. So uh, it will remain to be seen how uh, how uh, the impact will be uh, in the next uh, 6 to 12 months in that regard. Mm -hmm. What did your uh, mid-year update kind of forecast for this, Anthony? 
You know, it's interesting. We had a nominal increase. I don't know off the top of my head. I can look that up as far as uh, the employment, it, but it was it was minimal. It was, it was I think it was less than two percent increase that we were looking at overall for the non-manufacturing sector. And that forecast is again uh, attributed to the fact that there's not much increase due to the slowing in regards to how where they're pulling from, and mm-hmm. companies. Um, in, in non-manufacturing, and I've I've spoken about this numerous times about how labor is the single largest variable expense for most non-manufacturing services type companies, and it's a controllable expense. But as business increases and they're trying to staff accordingly, and we see that most notably in the construction arena and skilled labor, it's just tough to fill all those jobs, and that's why we're not seeing that growth month to month. Interesting. Interesting. Again, for our listeners, and I know we've talked about it before, but I always find it fascinating, and it may be a bit of a misnomer to say inventories in terms of what I traditionally think is inventory, something is sitting on a shelf, and non-manufacturing, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, those industries that are experiencing increases in, in, in inventories, what exactly are they experiencing? Physical inventory, or what's that increase, Anthony? You know, and that, that's a that's a very good question because it varies by the industry and by the company. And we we ask our respondents to ensure that they're measuring the same thing uh, month to month, so that there's no uh, fluctuation in what they're looking at. But I can tell you from past industry that I was involved in in the hotel industry, food service accommodations, we actually looked at physical inventory. We had commissaries and storerooms that stored product and had inventory turnover rates, and we looked at cash flow and cash liquidity in regards to, and I'm talking at the operating level, at the hotel operating level, is more so than what you would see at a headquarters. And the same mm-hmm. thing, whether it be in a, a wholesale trade, it could be what inventory they have in their particular warehouses or warehouse, depending on the company and the location, the geographic location. And then it could be if you looked at a consulting firm within management of companies or uh, doing outsourcing on information services. It could be anything from uh, what they have as far as um, engagements or what's sitting on the uh, in the queue that they haven't uh, been able to, um, uh, and that's more on the new order side versus the inventory side. So going back to your question on inventory, it just depends on the particular company and what they're measuring. It could be forms. It could be anything, but most of the time, it is typical that they're measuring uh, some type of tangible good. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, prices, you know, it's interesting to me as I watch mining, and, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, mining was just in the doldrums, pulled down the report. Now mining is booming, uh, but we're seeing some price increases coming out of mining. Is that prices they're paying, Anthony, or prices that they're next customer is paying on what they mine it is typically prices paid and okay prices paid is what the question is uh on the on the survey when we ask our respondents uh to to um report on and so when we look at prices whether it be mining or across the board for most of these industries we see the major driver of that is in fuel and fuel related costs uh, anything uh, 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 polypropylene, things are 
derived from uh, you know petrol um, uh, type related commodities and whatnot. And we're seeing that uh, fluctuate up and down according to what the price of oil is and and what shows up at the pumps. And that's a big impact for the non-manufacturing sector. I bet it is. Certainly would have to be. Um, You know, as as your report flows, uh, the next area that you touch on is backlog of orders. And with the new orders continuing to climb, is the back order getting more complex and difficult to fulfill? And that and that that's that's true. I mean, we're seeing it. Even though it's off four percentage points month to month, down from the sixty point five to fifty six point five. When you look at backlog, inventories, supplier deliveries, those three correlate directly to what we're seeing on the um, generation of volume, whether it be through the business activity or what's in the pipeline for new orders. So it's not a bad thing to see backlog other than when it gets to the point where it really interrupts the continuity of supply. But when we see growing backlog, we see slowing deliveries, that typically tells you that things are going really well on the front end of that with business activity. And so what we're seeing here is uh, we've had inventories deplete somewhat, the four percentage points, which matches up almost directly with what we're seeing in the decrease in backlog of orders. So there's a little burn off of inventory is what that tells me. So that whole uh, correlation that, we're, that I'm talking about is that as we're seeing the growths on the um, uh, revenue-generating activities, um, then we have to see how it is affected on the – how it impacts the uh, the operational side of things. Now, I see that, uh, you know, the new export orders continue to be strong month over month, and uh, I'm just wondering what – we can expect to see going forward in exports uh, in view of the trade war. I know that soybeans are down in price. I suspect that uh, pork will soon take a hit. Um, what's your sense overall of export orders? I realize you know it's a very strong economy and people still buy our stuff all over the world. Uh, continues to look good. It looks good now. I, I and that's again the short term. I first thing that went through my mind was when I saw the bump in export orders, was it perhaps uh, the folks buying stuff from us anticipating uh, the implementation of a more broad base uh, on the or more uh, widespread tariff implementation that they're trying to beat uh, the implementation time? And so mm-hmm. I thought maybe that might be affecting it as well as the same thing that we saw on the import side, buying things, forward buying uh, ahead of uh, the counter, uh, the counter to that from from other countries that are affected by it. So we saw that right. in past months' reports, uh, especially on the manufacturing side, where there was forward buying and hedging going on in anticipation of price increases. Okay, well, uh, overall, Anthony, an incredibly strong report. And in the overall, what's your kind of wrap up and? Advice for the supply chain folks as they look at this whole non-manufacturing sector? Well, when we look at this sector, it has been uh, the past year and a half very strong. Prior to that, it was slow, steady incremental growth. We had 101 consecutive months of growth. uh, And yet, uh, going forward, the forecasts are from many uh, economists that we're going to continue to see GDP growth 
probably another uh, perhaps two percentage points is what they're saying over the course of the second half of the year. Uh, well, you know, time will tell how that materializes. But right now, we, you asked me the question earlier about headwinds. There's a few. There's the uh, potential ramifications of this uh, trade war and implementation of tariffs. Um, there's always the employment picture and whether or not the resources are there to help withstand the current capacity constraint and potential constraint that's coupled with uh, increasing economy and volume. And uh, But right now, it looks like all indications are we'll continue to maintain solid growth going forward for the uh, non-manufacturing sector. Very encouraging. Anthony, again, thank you for joining us in Manufacturing Talk Radio. We always appreciate the depth behind just the number. It's so much more than the number. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, we appreciate you being here. And we've been speaking with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the non-manufacturing report on business for the Institute of Supply Management. Great folks, you should check out their website, instituteforsupplymanagement.org. Both of the non-manufacturing and manufacturing reports appear there. They also have a great summary graphic uh, version of it, which is terrific to look at in the overview. And we encourage you to visit us at mfgtalkradio.com to hear any of our past shows or this one as well, which will be posted real soon. And check out womenandmfg.com. That's our women and manufacturing show, affectionately known as WAM by its logo, where we have some great interviews of accomplished women by accomplished women to find out what's happening in their view of how they're doing in manufacturing and We certainly enjoy all of those interviews. We appreciate everyone listening today to Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we'll be back with another show. We'll just uh, close with a commercial and be back with you folks with another show very soon. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.